You're listening to Real Folk with me, Joe Burke. So hello everyone and today my guest is the wonderful, the handsome, the multi-talented Manolis. Welcome. So I obviously have known you for quite a few years now. Yeah, let's, let's not disclose that. <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, exactly half of my life now. You've known me for He's exactly very young. half of my life. Yeah. Perhaps we perhaps we can start with sort of acting and theatre work and sure. writing, that kind yeah. of side of yeah, things. Yeah. Um, well, acting is something I always want to do. Um, I'm one of these kids that whenever I was asked, what do you want to do when you grow up? Acting was my answer, like, since I was three, really. Um, I've never changed my mind. Um, that was the ultimate goal. Um I did go to university. Uh, my parents were very supportive of becoming an actor, but their advice was make sure you have a degree um, on the side because it's going to help you because obviously acting is uh, not the most secure profession. No. As uh, uh, we discovered. Uh, so what did you, your degree, what was that in? Uh, it was uh, drama and philosophy. Uh, I did that in Athens. Uh, I was born in Athens. I know there's no hint of any foreign accent. <laughs> Hardly any accent at all, Manolis. But yeah, uh, so I did my BA there and I actually did a second degree, a journalism degree. Uh, I'm not sure why. <laughs> I think at that point uh, I was thinking, actually, with my degree now, I can teach um, drama, uh, but it's not something I really want to do. I would prefer to write or, you know, work in a magazine. So... Let's do a journalism yeah. degree as well. So I did that. Um, and when I finished, uh, okay, the time had come for me to basically concentrate on what I actually wanted to do, which uh, was uh, acting. Therefore, I decided uh, to take my chances and audition here in London. Uh, I did. And I managed to get into several drama schools and uh, I chose the one that you chose. So that's <laughs> I didn't get into several, it was my only choice. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's when we met. It was, so that's in a nutshell. And you've actually, you have taught drama as well, so have, that yeah. did come in handy. Yes, so I, I haven't taught drama as in academically. I've uh, worked um, at uh, theater, youth theater um, places. So it's a combination of practical and uh, theoretical. So I've never actually used my degree as in, you know, teach drama, curriculum drama, or anything like that. But uh, it did help me to get uh, part-time jobs as a freelancer always uh, at youth theaters and uh, also work with a charity called Tender, which uh, uh, basically promotes uh, healthy relationships uh, to schools and uh, Youth Offenders Institutes uh, via drama. Fabulous. What a good thing to do. It's amazing. And um, we, what year was it we finished drama school? Was it 2001? I thought we were not going to discuss I know, I'm dates. just, I have. Okay, so right. I have. So, so basically did. now you know my date, <laughs> my, my age, if you can. Okay, yes, we, we graduated in 2001. I moved uh, on and I did a degree in directing as well. Um, a master's in directing. That was a one-year course. And I started working straight after that. Yeah. And um, what would you say, you know what it's like as actors, You, everyone always says, if you say, oh, I'm an actor, they'll go, what are you in? What have you been in? Yeah. So now, over the span of uh, the <clears throat> odd years we've been doing acting... Okay, come on, 18. All right. 18, all right, okay, I've said it. <laughs> ah, how can that be? can't be true. Uh, out of the 18 years, what's been your... Well, I know what your highlight is, but what's been... What You say it, go on, you say it. He hardly talks about it at all. Um... <laughs> Well, definitely 
uh, things have been going uh, onwards and upwards in the last few years. Um, last year I was in a big film uh, called Greed, directed by the one and only Michael Winterbottom. Uh, a fantastic uh, human being and a great person to work with. Um, and I got uh, to film in Mykonos for two months alongside many, many people that I've been watching for years, um, A-listers, including uh, Steve Coogan, David Mitchell, Isla Fisher, Asa Butterfield, um, Stephen Fry, and many, many other names. Um, and that was definitely my highlight, my career highlight until now. Yeah, it was. it's an amazing film. If you haven't seen it, it's, it's also an important film, isn't it? Because Yes. Uh, I mean, Michael, Mike's films always... Um, have um, well have a purpose, I suppose, in the sense that apart from entertaining, he has a message that he wants to uh, get out there. And this film deals with um, the fashion industry and uh, how the, the real cost of us uh, buying a ten or a five pound H uh, and M T shirt. Yeah, so um, it's the whole fast fashion. Exactly. Um, fashion sort of, shape, Yeah. It's based loosely on Philip Green, isn't it? It is. Yeah. And to start with, we weren't actually allowed to talk about Philip Green, um, but uh, uh, since the film was released, uh, Michael said, yeah, no, Matt, but he did, he was the first one to basically say that it's based on him. Yes, uh, I think most people know Philip Green, uh, he owns a lot of uh, fashion shops and uh, he's a multi-millionaire, maybe billionaire, um, don't quote me on that, uh, but uh, his um, credentials uh, uh, are quite uh, clouded by how he managed to earn his wealth and at the same time um, how he treats his employees and uh, the people he's, uh, he's in business with. Yeah, yeah. It's a really powerful story and um, it's on. It's available on... Amazon, iTunes, yeah. Chile, um, everywhere really. Not yeah. Netflix yet, but apart from Netflix, I think you can find it anywhere. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's released in the UK sort of coincided with... Um, yeah. With us. <laughs> the uh, um, virus. Yeah, the, the timing was actually really bad. Um, we had a fantastic few months promoting the film pre-release. It was selected uh, uh, as one of the screenings and the Toronto Film Festival. So we had the world premiere there, which was an amazing experience. Uh, I watched tons of films before they were released anywhere. Uh, all big Hollywood stars were there. Uh, the events I, I went to, the films I watched, it was an amazing experience. Followed by the London premiere, the European premiere at the London Film Festival uh, in Leicester Square, which was equally glamorous and interesting. The other thing that's, uh, that did really well that you were in was the Durrells, wasn't it? Yes, so that was, was a, I mean, I've been quite lucky with like my big budget things I've done because with Durrells, which we filmed four years ago, three and a half years ago now, um, I went to Corfu to film it, so, you know, uh, Corfu followed by Mykonos, uh, I've been quite lucky with locations. Yeah, uh, and that was such a feel-good, I love the Durrells, yeah, it's a real feel-good Sunday night. It did really night. well, and I think there's uh, quite a lot of talk of reunions now and potential, you know, uh, potentially following up the story. Uh, that, that, that was a great experience. Obviously, um, with Greed, I was there for two months, uh, it was more intense, my part is 
quite big there uh, in, in Greed. The Darrells, it was a guest spot for two episodes, but I was still in Corfu for a couple of weeks and I uh, got to meet everyone there. Uh, again, very lucky, lovely crew, lovely Kitty cast. Horse. She's an amazing, amazing, <laughs> amazing woman. Uh, uh, yeah. I love her. She, she's great, yeah. both as an actress as, and as a person. And the other thing, people, dear listener, you may not know about Manolis is if you go on a flight from <laughs> London, <laughs> I'll just tell you, if you go on a flight, that was my phone, I'm so professional, did you hear it bing? And I actually even put it It wasn't mine, it on. I've put mine on the airplane mode. I even did song. put mine on flight mode, but that says call mum, there you go, <laughs> I won't do it right now. Um, so just as I was saying, the, uh, the thing you may recognise Manolis from is if you have taken a flight from London to Greece... Um, what what do you do, Benelis? <laughs> well, okay, so let's let's give some background to that. Um, uh, one of the things that worked, really worked out for me very early on was voiceover work. Um, I've been uh, the Greek voice of EasyJet since two thousand and seven. So if you have flown on EasyJet since two thousand and seven, you would have heard my voice to tell you to buckle your seatbelt um, to make sure that. Uh, all your personal belongings are safely stored, etc. <laughs> All the exciting things that you do But I will tell you something now that you're talking about voiceovers. You said that my career highlight was greed. Well, there's a demographic that would disagree, and that's um, teenagers that are obsessed with video games. Because I do get a lot, a lot of messages on my social media um, basically being very excited because they've heard my voice uh, whilst playing a video game. Um, the last two that I recorded uh, in the last three years were the latest uh, Assassin's Creed uh, video games, uh, which uh, those that... So what parts became... do you play in those? In the first one, I played Diocles, who is a soldier. And the second one, I played six or seven different characters, including Egyptian soldiers, uh, spies, um, uh, I die in several different ways. I mean, Excellent. this is this. At some point, you should uh, you should actually have a podcast talking to people that actually do video games. I mean, I had sessions that for three hours I was dying in different ways. You know, <laughs> I, and love I had that. a director outside uh, the booth basically saying, "Okay, now you are hit by a big stone on the head. Now the big stone <laughs> goes straight uh, on your body. You know, and it's different sounds. It Those is like, different sounds. Ah, 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 ah. Yeah." Well, I did record Doctor Who recently, so, I know. Uh, so yes, I played not one but two parts yeah. in Doctor Who, dear listener. So, uh, so yeah, no, I, I love voiceovers and I love the immediacy of it and the. Um, I think the thing that surprised me about I don't know about, I don't know where you recorded um, where do you record Assassin's your... Creed it was a studio just off Oxford Street it's called Side I think because I've never done anything like I've done voiceovers before but they've been things like this where you go into just a single booth and yeah, it's yeah. for an ad thing or for a, a dubbing and it's just yeah. you and a director um, but sorry because it's Doctor Who I can remember thinking oh, gosh there's so many people in this it must be it must be a big studio and we've all got booths facing each other. I'd made this whole thing up where it was a, yeah. done like an ensemble. Of course, but of course it wasn't. Field, yeah. I mean, they did have, the studio did have four booths and we could all see each other. But four of us were playing... Um, well, I was playing two characters, actually, and the others were actually only playing one. But we could all see each other and that's because they were the main yeah, yeah. the main cast. Um but it was just it was just not what I was expecting at all, and I love all the there was all graffiti in the boxes there as well Everywhere. from previous Doctor Who's and it's previous, where they always record. Yeah, I wish yeah. I'd taken a picture of it actually. No, so some of the jobs uh, are really really good fun, especially the ones that in, involve acting, like video games or yeah, radio, like dark drama horror, and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. Um, others are very dull. I mean, I've spent uh, two to three days recording 
GPS voices going like names or streets one by one, numbers <laughs> one to a thousand or something, um, or yoga videos, you know, that you basically have to be very calm, breathe in, breathe out, and you have to match, uh, because you're dubbing usually when you do stuff like that, you have to match the woman's voice, whether she's German or whatever, and make sure that uh, the timing is, is right. Um, uh, so I've had some, some really interesting ones. I've also done animation and... Uh, uh, the budget, it was a, a new kids animation series and uh, they didn't have a very big budget so they cast I think four of us playing like six or seven characters each but the funny thing is that in some of my scenes lots of the characters I was voicing were there so you know I would basically have the, the script in front of me and I would realize that I'm basically you're playing against uh, yourself exactly yeah, and yeah. I have to change my voice line by line yeah. and that was uh, that was fun it's mess. challenging isn't it it's yeah. hard. I had to do that in the, in the Doctor Who thing because my character in two scenes was talking to herself and uh he said, how do you want to do it? Do you want to do all it? All the lines from or, yeah. And then all the What did you do? I swapped in between. I just did between. it. I felt I felt it was easier to reply uh, to myself. I, I didn't do it that way. I chose to, to go all... Same one character and one Because character. one yeah. was a bird, one was like, I don't know, a pig or something. So it was really... It was a natural life yeah, yeah. Uh, voice. So uh, changing would have actually taken its toll. And I want to be consistent as well. And it was easier to be consistent by yeah. doing that. Um, but yeah, I mean, voiceover-wise, I've, 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 I've done everything. As I said, audiobooks, e-learning. Um, again, that's quite funny. Some, sometimes I'm hired to Greek uh, for people that want to learn Greek, you know. And it's like first-year students, so I have to say, I want food. <laughs> And I have to That's what like he normally that, says yeah, when he arrives yeah, anywhere. Yeah, exactly. Well, not, not at yours. No. <laughs> well, at least not five years ago when you were single. Now, what? yes. <laughs> what, what he's pertaining to there is the fact that I, I am actually not known for my cooking skills, but my husband that I have now is... an amazing <laughs> cook. I, you're all invited to her for dinner for this podcast. Um, Oh, so yeah, no, fair. voice have always been a great fun and I'm grateful that uh, I broke into that yeah. world, you know, I do some in Greek, some in English, some in Italian, well, not many in Italian, but I've done quite a few in Italian, some in, in English with Italian accent, some in English with a Greek accent, wow. you know. Yeah, so. yeah, it's the things I think a lot of, um, when you when you are an aspiring actor or uh, even sort of later on in life, if you, if you sort of get on the acting bandwagon I think it's one of those things that's really overlooked is the amount of jobs that are available for voiceover yeah. and how it can be a real bread and butter exactly. thing while you're waiting for the next greed or the next film exactly. or the next barrel this or is whatever because you, know, you have to tread yeah, water exactly exactly and voiceovers were as I said a blessing because you know they don't require a big time and commitment which you need when you're an actor you need to be available to go to editions yeah. to learn scripts and stuff like that um, at the same time when you do get them uh, the pay is fairly decent so mm. you know it relaxes you a bit I think that's it <laughs> I played your wife in almost everything in drama school yes yeah. I, th I think I think that's how our friendship started I mean mm. there was quite a few of us uh, at our year drama school and uh, you know you, you know obviously you needed to work with someone in order to get to know them most of the time yeah yeah so we were given the opportunity quite a few times we have played husband and wife about the divorce we've played husband and wife and have died we played <laughs> husband and wife that are in therapy um we've played dysfunctional husband and wife basically that's us if you if anyone's out there casting a dysfunctional husband and yeah, wife perfect we are in so but they have to be good looking because otherwise it will be convincing because obviously manolis if you look at manolis is it what's your instagram account manolis it's manolis manual official 
like, official. <laughs> that's that's since Greed, isn't it? Did you go official since the film? Um, I didn't have there? an Instagram before Greed. Ah. So and people, well, people, the actors that work with Greed told to. me that uh, yeah, it's crazy not to have Instagram. Yeah. Account. So yes, so that's. I like I, the official on the end yeah. of it as well. Was there actually already another? No, there wasn't. Or but since then, since on? then, I've had a, I have reported about twenty people that have impersonated me. Actually, that reminds me, and this is interesting. You had an impersonator try to fool one of our mutual friends. We did. I, I did. Yeah. Um, since then, and I haven't told you that I've had impersonators try to fool different people. Some of them I know, some of them don't. I, I don't. Um, but, but yeah, I've had about twenty different people just. So that, that was the first incident, and that was a year ago, I think now. So this guy had approached her pretending that it's me, and they were chatting for ages. She was telling him lots of personal stuff, including her address, because apparently he told her that he's in LA for the great premiere uh, in a couple of months, so he would have to go for a coffee. And all this time she thought she, thought she was, was going to meet you. Me, yeah. That's terrifying, isn't it? Yeah. That is scary. So yeah. that's happened how many times now? It's happened quite a few times, and I think um, I think actually I have spoken to a couple of people. If uh, you're not super super famous, however, you have some sort of profile, um, so you have quite a few famous followers. You've got uh, a decent amount of followers, uh -huh. and you've been in high profile stuff. Um, you are the perfect target for these people because uh, clearly um, you've got an account that people would follow, mm. uh, and potentially would be impressed with uh, some of the names that follow you, the the, the credits, but at the same time you're not someone that they would immediately recognize and realize that you're not the real one no no yeah. no no. yeah i suppose that's true it's, it's that level yeah. yeah but also it's kind of like ah oh, you could sort of made it i mean it's a bit like having a stalker <laughs> <laughs> i've had a stalker you did you have not, oh, not, not because not because of the of film yeah, not, yeah. not because of work but because of theater work I, i'm sure you know that story Do I the know priest that story? the priest you had a what like fleabag did you see the priest uh, i did have a priest on fleabag and in all honesty if it was andrew scott i wouldn't call you would um, I um, would. I'd love Andrew Scott to stalk me. If you haven't seen Fleabag, the second series, you you really should. <laughs> he. Um, so I did a play years ago um, at the White Bear Theatre, which is a French theatre um, in Ken Kennington. Kennington. Yes, not Kensington. Kensington. No, I was Kensington. Yeah. Kensington. Um, and um, this guy came to watch it. Um, who was a priest and uh, he was of Greek origin but living in London for years so he came to congratulate me afterwards and he said look um, I am very interested in running some drama classes for some of the kids that attend our services would you be interested in uh, in running those classes I said um, uh, sure yeah it's something we can discuss so that was straight after the show so we arranged to meet up a few days later so we met up and he offered me a fee that I couldn't believe I mean it was really good money per hour I think it was like 70 pounds an hour which for me at that point you know for two hours a week 140 pounds you know running drama classes sounds fantastic um, so I said yes immediately and uh, it was like summertime at that point and the class was going to start in September a week later he said he messaged me can we meet to talk about the drama classes I thought that's a been weird you know <laughs> but nonetheless i mean I, I went anyways it was quite clear that we had nothing to talk about that we hadn't covered the first time and it was just a social talk uh, bear in mind I, I never really talk about my personal life though now obviously um, <laughs> until now again. yeah exactly until now yeah it's exclusive so you know i think he was trying to find out what my preferences were and stuff like that uh, again i was very coy and i didn't give anything away i wanted to keep it professional um 
about a couple of weeks later, um, I it was about midnight. I wasn't. I was still awake, and I got a message thinking of you. <laughs> Basically, all night this escalated. Nothing dirty, but all very romantic. I wish you were here to watch some, um, uh, the moon with me. Um, I'm in bed alone. I wish you were here with me. I wouldn't reply to any of this, but I was basically freaking out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know why I'm going, oh, it's not really cute, is it? It's, it's really creepy. Not. It's not. It's creepy, creepy, but at the same time, to be completely honest, I was feeling... Sorry for him. Yeah, yeah. Because, because obviously, you know, he was taking a massive risk, and uh, he didn't know how I would react. But at the same time, you know, he had chosen a career where he had celibate. Of course, um, yeah, yeah. And uh, clearly, he, he had human desires. So the next day, because I hadn't replied, he sent me a massive message apologizing, telling me that, you know, he's only human, blah, blah. I sent him a message saying that... Don't he's worry. only human? Yeah. Oh, my nerves. Oh, God, I didn't mean that one. Oh, dear. Guys, I, I seriously didn't mean it that way. Oh, you got me. You got me. Yeah. Oh, he's only... I meant oh, he's only human, so he has human desire. You can't see my nose. But I will put a photo up <laughs> so you can see where he's coming from. <laughs> oh, Joe. Rick's going to kill himself when he's laughing. Probably. Um, so, anyways, I said to him that, you know, this is not going to go anywhere further, but I, I, I'm not going to do the drama classes. Uh, he was gutted. He was trying to change my mind uh, that he would keep professional from now on. But Too I, late. I, um, yeah. In uh, the next few months, I did get the occasional text messages thinking of you um i would love to meet you stuff like that but i, I didn't follow through no. because i thought this is a very dangerous territory it really is that was really a massive is. age difference right i was uh, in my mid-20s and he was probably in his mid-40s massive age difference i mean a significant age difference at that, at yeah. that time of your life it is quite yeah. big isn't it because yeah. age differences i don't think matter too much really it depends on it just depends on the couple doesn't it but i think obviously Completely. the older you get the less uh, impact any age difference no but has i think anyone. i think for me the the combination that he was a priest and he was yeah you know uh, quite big in in i mean he, he in the church he was representing and uh and the fact that he was quite older than me uh, i felt that i was completely out of my depth that i wouldn't be able to handle the situation like yeah. this could end up really you know, yeah. I obviously didn't want anything else than these drama classes, and he clearly wouldn't Did. have been satisfied with that. No, no, fair play, yeah. fair play. Also, I was going to say that you had um, you had you dealt with dramatically um, a, a burglar. You got bur not burglar, but you were in when somebody came into Ooh, your house. Yes, oh, that been... was really seriously, guys. This is this is proof enough make sure when you're indoors that your door is locked because what happened i mean you were just here yeah i was here but we need us supposed to explain that when we say here we are in a flat on the 24th and 5th floor in a skyscraper yeah we've got security cameras and the concierge in order to get in the building you need a fob so we've got 160 flats in the building and i say all that to show you that I'm not a complete idiot that I hadn't <laughs> locked my door. So I had gone to the gym, which is in the building, I come, had come back, uh, back, sorry, and I was downstairs drinking my protein shake. Ah, uh, um, that's how you stay sometimes. I hadn't, so. I hadn't, yeah, um, <laughs> and I hadn't locked the door um, because my partner would, have, oh, would return from work any moment now, so what's the point, really? And this flat couldn't be safer, in my exactly, opinion. Exactly, yeah, yeah. So suddenly I heard 
noise from upstairs. The kitchen is downstairs. So I thought, oh, is he back? And I started calling his name and he wouldn't reply. So I thought, that's weird. I thought, okay, he's, he's being stupid now. He's just playing games. So I walked upstairs and I went in the bedroom and suddenly I see someone that wasn't Rick. Um, it was a six foot three um, guy wearing a, a track bottoms and uh, a vest and standing in my bedroom on the other side of the bed looking at me. As you can understand, I froze. I thought, what is going on? Uh, someone has just broken in. Um, I could clearly see in his pockets uh, that he's got something. And the first thing I thought of is gun. Yeah. He's got a gun. Yeah, yeah. So I froze. I thought, okay, if I turn my back, you know, I, no matter what I do, I, I, I shouldn't turn my back. So, so, you know, I found all the characters I could get and I said, what are you doing here? He said, what are you doing here? I thought, uh, <laughs> this is my plan. She goes, how do I know that? So at that point, I thought, okay, this Crazy. is very bizarre. Uh, so mental illness was the first thing that came to my mind. But obviously, that, again, you need to be very careful how to handle this. Exactly, because yeah. we were all alone in the flat. Um, the door outside, I mean, I would have never made it for the door. If he wanted to shoot me or stab me, he could easily, by the time I, I got the door, he would have caught me. And as I said, he was a, a big bloke. So I said, okay, do me a favor, can you open your pockets? Because all I was thinking is, is this a gun? Is it? So um, to my complete surprise, he did. He emptied his pockets and put the stuff on the bed. So what I thought might have been a weapon was actually a passport and uh, a bag, a nylon bag full of stuff that I couldn't see what they were. I said, okay, what we're going to do now? going to leave the flat because we shouldn't be here. He said, why? I said, I think we should leave. So I started walking backwards and he was following me. So I was always looking at him. So we reached a point where the door was and that was the most scary bit because obviously between that we had a fair amount of distance, a two meter distance, the, the safe distance that you should keep now wearing masks. <laughs> and also um, between burglars or potential yeah. killers. Well, at that point I had to open the door and he went really close to me. He came out and he was just standing still. I mean, it was just like a robot that was doing exactly what I was telling him. I closed the door and I locked it. Couldn't believe my luck how, but obviously I was very shaken. Um, so I went straight to the bedroom and I saw what was in the nylon bag. It was basically nuts, like peanuts and uh, and uh, cashew nuts um, and uh, some other things that I couldn't completely recognize. Immediately I called the concierge. Apparently the concierge had been notified that uh, some other doors um, were, tried. were tried, yeah. So clearly I wasn't the only flat that he tried to get into. Um, the concierge called the police, the police came, um, and uh, anyways, it turns out that the guy was on something called, uh, what's it called? Um, I've forgotten now, it's a drug that basically makes them completely lose any sense of reality really? and decision making. Oh. And it's just, it's just so, so, so you did exactly the right thing by just telling him what to do, but I didn't know. I didn't know. It's called, what's it called? I didn't know. It's, MDMA? It, no, 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 no. It's a new, newish. It, and apparently it's very, very cheap. That's why a lot oh. of young people take it now. It's not the one that they take in the little bottles, silver bottles. That no, it, it, no, it's a, it's like, um, it's like a powder. Um, uh, what's it called? If you know what's called, <laughs> please go, you know, and you win. Uh, and now with yeah. Joe uh, on her podcast. I won't know. It's called, uh, what is it I'm called? Not up it, on it's the it's a one word that is it's like a... Crystal um, meth. No, 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 no. I know it's that not, from Breaking Bad. You wouldn't know that. Uh, it's not, it's... Uh, it's yeah, not a well-known drug. Now it is, apparently, because oh, okay. I've seen lots of documentaries about this, because it's very big in the UK at the moment. But so I, this was... 
two and a half years ago. I just remember thinking how incredible. I, I literally don't think I could have stayed as calm as you did. I think that's an incredible response. But I think you've worked with um, youth offenders. Yeah, yeah. so have, you've yeah. worked with a charity that helps people yes. that have had abusive relationships and things. And so I think possibly that maybe training. I think. I think it was mainly fear. The only thing I was thinking about was don't turn your back because if I turn my back, I lose control of what's going on. Yeah, yeah. And also, I mean, I'm not a very small guy, but this guy was like six, really three, six, four. Yeah, yeah. So you know, if he did get into a physical fight, you were not going to win. I don't think I was going to win. No. Um, I think there's no way I was no. going to win. So um, you know, I just thought, okay, I need to face him. I yeah. need to basically make sure that I don't stop staring at him. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the other thing we should mention because, like you say, you know. It, it, obviously the the size difference but you've um you've got other sort of issues as well to contend with which is you had a a major surgery only a few years before that a couple of years before so that must have been no i wouldn't have been yeah of your mind as well i don't think at that point i mean at that point it was just like you know it was also just dealing with the situation but yeah i mean it it would be very dangerous for me to do any kind of physical kind of yeah. yeah 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 scary very scary and i don't know whether i don't know whether you feel comfortable talking about the operation that you had to have or yeah i can we can talk about that i mean this is something that my inner circle knows um but it's not something that i've made public on my social media or interviews uh, but i guess yeah because obviously of our relationship I, I, we can talk about that um i had a brain tumor i had a brain tumor in 2014 um and i was operated uh it was yeah can we just say because my first thing is when you think of um when you hear of anyone and cancer affects something like one in three people isn't it it's it's, it's you know you're very lucky if it hasn't affected you personally or people that you know um and the first thing i always think of when i i hear those stories is oh oh my god what were the clues and i i can remember on the run-up to that yeah. that you had had yeah. headaches hadn't you yeah. and you so had... it was a very weird type of headache it wasn't a normal headache that you get uh, if you're tired it was it was it, it was pain it was more of a pain in the head rather than a headache so it would come and go and it would be very sharp it would be like i have a hammer suddenly hitting my head and you get the effect of that for for a while and then it, it goes and then it happens again um and um, it, um, I had, I had that for probably a year beforehand, and uh, as so they time, were the really early, early signs. Exactly, and as time went by, they became uh, more and more frequent. Um, I went to the doctor to the GP, um, not once, not twice, four times, and uh, they sent me for massages and physiotherapy, uh, thinking that I've pulled something on my neck uh, at the gym. Um, at that point, actually, I was doing a play that uh, I was topless, so I was really trying to be in a, in a very good physical shape. So I was going to the gym quite a lot. So, you know, I, I had no reason to doubt them. And uh, my mom, bless my mom, she insisted that I persuade the doctor to go for an MRI because um, at some point I lost my vision completely. That, that's what I was going to say. So I think that was when I can remember Mary saying to me that um, it happened twice, I think, mm-hmm. didn't it? Um, twice yeah and we were like well that's not normal you don't just yeah. you know lose yeah. from your both eyes for and for a, so an the first time, time yeah for about 20 minutes half an hour can you imagine suddenly. if you've been driving exactly so i was very lucky because drive. i was at home the first time and i was um i was 
in I, I was actually um, directing the second time but I was on a break from directing but sitting down so I was very lucky that this happened at situations that yeah. I, yeah because it was like sudden right anytime. from nothing yeah. it wasn't like gradual but suddenly I thought I'm losing my sight suddenly from from being Just able to sit out. yeah so again I actually went to Morfield's Eye Hospital and they checked my eyes they said everything's fine um, but then such a migraine or something like that, which I never had migraines. And that, at that point, my mother said, okay, you should definitely persuade the GP to have an MRI. I did, and it wasn't easy. They said, mm, I don't know. And I had an MRI, and I had an MRI two days before I was off on a big holiday, two-week holiday with a lot of friends. And I remember going to the place where I had the MRI, and uh, there was an Irish chap uh, doing it, and he was... Uh, you know, joking and we're very playful and really happy, blah, saying, blah. Yeah. Um, because I've never had an MRI before in my life. And it is actually a terrifying experience. You, uh, if, if someone, I'm not claustrophobic, but if someone is claustrophobic... I've had I, one since yeah. you had that and yeah. it's awful. It's, yeah. uh, and it lasts for a long time. So mm. he said to me, oh, it's going to last 20 minutes, it's going to be very loud. You know, close your eyes if you feel uncomfortable, take deep breaths. Anyways, I went in there. And you lose a sense of time, right? You don't have a watch at that point. You don't have a clue how long you're in there. But it did feel more than 20 minutes. And actually, I was taken out and I said, okay, you, um, we need to do something and then you'll go back in. I said, why? He said, no, 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 don't worry. So they put me back in there for the second time for another, I don't really know how long. So it definitely wasn't a 20 minute in and out no. thing. I was and in so there. So you were starting to get suspicious. Exactly. So when I came out, I realized I'd been in there for over an hour. And I said, what's going on? And the guy who was very friendly they and can't laughing tell you, can they? was completely serious. He said, you're not going anywhere in the next few days, are you? I looked at him and thinking, oh, why? He said, I can't tell you, but you're not. I said, actually, I'm going to hold in two days' time. He said, okay, um, uh, someone's going to call you. Obviously, you I left there something. thinking, yeah, yeah. what is going on? And I knew it's something that is not, you know, a muscle or something like that. Um, indeed, the same afternoon, I got a phone call from my GP saying, can you come in? And can you bring a family member or a friend? That's not what you want to hear from the no, GP. Even saying that no. now, it's, make, you know, it's, it's awful, a, yeah. It was a very scary thing It's the hear. same as when you get that phone call where they go, oh, Joe... Don't worry, but you know everything's fine. But and yeah. then you hear the what awful things happened. But I didn't actually. I didn't hear everything was fine either. You know because you know don't they can't worry. Tell you that, yeah, can they? yeah, yeah. So, that so, yeah. so so I went in there and the doctor was very straightforward. I remember her name, Doctor Mills, and she said, "Look, you have a brain tumor. We don't know what type it is." We don't know if it's only the one or it has spread in your body, but what we do know is that it's next to your spine, Oof. and it's grown a lot, um, to the point that it uh, is stopping the blood flow. That that's why you actually had uh, the incidents where you lost your sight, because blood wasn't going to your optical nerves, um, and um, the pain is because the blood is trying to go past uh, the tumor, squeeze, squeeze it, it and, it, and a lot of it gathers and suddenly it goes puff, 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 and obviously that. Uh, um, so that was the pain that you know was coming. The sudden down. hammer, yeah, yeah. Um, you need to be operated within the next twenty-four to forty-eight hours because even if the tumor is not going to kill you. Um, it's next to your spine and you could be paralyzed any minute now. You know, the whole thing, one one moment in time can change your whole life. Mm. That's, that was that, really. Yeah. I I thought I was, I was living a surreal nightmare. You know, what do you do with that information? How do you process it? And you have to sign, don't you? Because I know when my, um, my nephew, when he was seven, had a, a really bad accident and... 
had my my brother and my sister-in-law at the time had to sign to say they could remove his arm if they had to. So this was later on. That was before the day of the operation. So I think the most shocking moment was that when I found out about it. And then how how do I deal with that? So basically, I said go and pack your stuff. Someone's going to call you. Um, where you need to go. I think, you know, there was no time to research hospitals, yeah. you know, under normal circumstances, if you have cancer, you know, you get, you start talking to people, finding out where's the best go. place. Yeah. Was, you know, was I was, media. I was like completely, which in a way was a good thing. Um, I mean, I was very lucky because I ended up at a very good hospital and a fantastic neurosurgeon uh, operated on me. But uh, yeah, at that point, I didn't have any choice or anything, you know. No. Um, I had come out and I had to call a few people, including my mum. I, I had lost my dad a couple of years before that. Um, and that was a very, very tough phone call to make. Um, she got a plane, she, she, she lives in Athens, so she got a plane, um, the first flight into London. Um, and the next day at the hospital I was, um, and that was potentially scarier than the actual operation. They told me I need to have a full MRI to see if it's the only tumour or if it's spread. I knew that having a brain tumour is bad, but I knew that if the tumour has spread, it was possibly something I would... Well, the time, my chances were almost none. Mm. Um, so I got into that MRI machine and I was in there for one hour, 40 minutes because it was a full body scan. When that I came out... Is, uh, I mean, yeah, yeah. My, 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 my thoughts, I mean, it was... It was one of the most traumatic experiences yeah. I've ever been through, probably the most traumatic. Um, when I came out, they were asking, do you need anything? I said, what I need is... Because I knew by that point that the radiologist cannot tell me. I need a doctor to come and look at to it and tell me because I'm, assume, you, know, yeah. you know. So um, I only had the one, which was obviously good news. And uh, they would operate the next day, which I did. And, that's and when it was I had the size of a grape, wasn't it? Yes, Is it that was. Um, of, a, of, a, of a walnut. Oh, a walnut. A walnut. Similar sizes, grapes, I walnuts. I think walnuts is a bit difficult? bigger. I think walnuts <laughs> walnut bigger? bigger. You yeah. want a bigger one? Okay, so it, no, it was a walnut. It was a walnut, yeah. Uh, Big um, old tumour. So... Um, <laughs> The operation lasted for seven hours. Before the operation, I had to do exactly what you described. I had to sign. Yeah. And it wasn't just dying. I mean, the chances of a brain surgery... Paralysis. Uh, I yeah. mean, seriously, it was like three pages. Blindness. Blindness, paralysis, yeah. deafness, uh, anything you can think of. Yeah. Um, uh, losing my short-term memory, losing yeah. my long-term memory, losing my ability to talk, losing my ability to... Uh, I mean, everything. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Basically, because, as you know, it's brain. They right? don't I mean, know. It's, it's yeah. um, the operation lasted for seven hours. And when I came out... Um, I remember, I mean, I don't know if any of you guys have been through general anaesthetic. I'm sure some of you have. It's a very weird thing, and actually films depict it um, quite accurately. Um, the whole 10, 9, 7, 8, and then you lose you track. Yeah. And then the next thing you, you remember is ting, ting, like the heart uh, monitor. monitor. Um, it's not like sleeping, because when you sleep, no matter how many hours you sleep, you are aware that you have slept. When you wake up, you are aware that time has passed. Um with 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 uh, general anesthetic, first of all, you don't dream. But with general anesthetic, it's just like from one moment to the next, completely. So I remember waking up and uh, the nurse at the intensive care unit um, asking me to tell her my name and what's uh, why I'm there. Obviously, it was checking the cognitive it, yeah, abilities. Yeah. Um, I had tons of tests like that uh, throughout. I mean, who is the Prime Minister of the UK? What year we're in? Where am I? Things like that all the time, every day. Things most of us struggle with now <laughs> since COVID. And we don't know what day is it. Who cares? True, 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 true. <laughs> Anyways, um, I 
so the operation was successful, the tumor was removed. I was very lucky, I was operated by a top surgeon called Dr. Neil Kitchen, and he's probably my personal hero. Um, because as I said, I didn't choose him, I didn't do any research, but I was very lucky that, he, uh, that uh, it was him that uh, operated. Um, the next few months were very tough because although when I got in the, in the hospital, you know, I had some headaches, but other than that, I felt great and I was yeah. very yeah. fit and stuff. Um, I, uh, where the tumor was, uh, was a center of my balance. So it had affected my balance, which means that, which meant that the moment I tried to do any kind of movement, I got vertigo. Yeah. Which um, is awful. I don't know, again, if anyone has experienced vertigo, but it's something that, you know, I wouldn't wish in my worst enemy. Um, also, I had a couple of other minor issues. Um, I couldn't eat because my reflex uh, that uh, controls uh, basically uh, the part of, uh, of, swallowing. Uh, of, of swallowing yeah, it was uh, affected and it was very dangerous for me to eat anything. So it was all uh, uh, via uh, intervenous. And uh, I couldn't walk because of the vertigo, um, because the moment I moved up, I uh, felt that everything was going. And my speech was affected as well, because, uh, and that had terrified me, because uh, um, obviously lots of my work depends on my ability yeah. to talk. And I like talking as, <laughs> as well. As we've said about yeah. voiceover yeah. and being bilingual, I mean, honestly, you can't think of a. I mean, obviously, something like that's not good news but for anybody, but for, for someone that their career depends on yeah. all of those things. Yeah. Um, mind you, that's a silly remark because most people's livelihoods depend on all of those things. But you know, it really yeah. was a huge, huge blow. Yeah, it a was. huge blow. And funny enough, after a few, that's uh, I think I've told you that when I switched on my phone after like four or five days, I had a message from my agent, Where are you? Um, they have asked you to audition for the new James Bond film, and it's a good part. So, I do remember. You know, yeah, that, so I was actually crying and laughing at the same yeah. time Typical. when I got that. Yeah, the I one time you get off at the Bond, yeah. the James well, Bond. I mean, I the you, bond. you weren't off at yeah, Bond, yeah, okay? Yeah. We even I know. But I still have a chance. Know, Daniel have, Craig is going to retire. Exactly, no, and they haven't so. had a Greek Bond, have no, they? No, you know, so no. I mean, maybe it's time. Maybe I now is the time for a Greek Bond. Yeah, I think so. I throw my name. But what also I want to say as well is that. You know, all this was going on, which is huge in anyone's life. And like I said, you know, I think it's one in three people that um, that that have to deal with this. You still did, and I was talking to Phil about this earlier, um, because both Manolis and I met our partners uh, about five years ago or so, yeah. five or six years ago. Uh, so when all this was going on, uh, we were still gloriously single, really, weren't we, both sure. of us? But um, Manolis still had the foresight to to not only not tell everybody what had happened but to create a facebook group <laughs> which i just think is genius and I, the reason i'm saying it is that i think going forward and for anyone else that's that's suffering anything anything that you don't want to keep it, it's like when somebody passes away everyone that around you cares don't they so they yeah. want to know that you're yeah. okay or how that person is but it's very draining on you to keep I mean, everyone deals. You know, I don't. I don't want to accuse. You know, people that deal with it in different ways. But what I knew from the first moment is that I'm not going to post on Facebook. You know what is going on because yeah, okay, I've got a lot of. I've got quite a few Facebook friends, and uh, my Facebook is not like Instagram. It's quite. It's closed. Yes, so yeah. after proof, and, and I do know everyone on my Facebook, but not everyone is a close friend, and I really didn't want you know, hundreds of yeah. messages and, and this to become a massive thing. Yeah. 
at the same time, I knew that my close my close circle needs to find out. But I thought it was genius. I thought it was absolutely genius. So he, you just I was, to put I, updates I, I, on. Wasn't, I wasn't managing it to start No, with. somebody start else with, did yeah. because you So didn't. one of my closest friends basically asked me who should be on there. So I gave yeah. him a list of the names. Yeah. That was the day before the operation. Yeah. Created a Facebook group. But the foresight to do that, I mean, I just yeah. think it, it, it truly is genius because it did mean that we didn't have to... We didn't have to try and bother Notta, your amazing mum, or any anyone close to you to find out how you were doing, because yeah. obviously... It was posting a daily update every night, I think, so, the day went. Yeah, yeah, about how you were, what was going on, and and then the minute, because I was working very near to where you lived at the time, yeah. so the minute you could have anyone around... Visitors, yeah. Um, well, you were in Edinburgh when it happened. That's right, yeah, because I had it as part... Yeah. I, uh, yeah, that yeah. was in, in part of my show you as found well. out... I don't know, yeah, you found out in Edinburgh, I know that for sure. I definitely found out in Edinburgh, because part yeah. of the show that I did the following year year mentioned it because it was like oh shit what do you do and it's that whole thing where actually you know you actually can't coming back there was nothing that you could do but you also feel awful for being carrying on doing and especially when it's comedy that you're doing and you're and you know someone that you love is back home going through the worst moment of their life so you know it's a real it's a real difficult thing for everybody to deal with and that's why i'm saying the facebook thing was just bloody genius because it just meant that we could all know how you were doing without you having to do it and and without everyone around you getting the very close people around you getting bothered all the time so I thought that was really a little stroke of genius to sort that out and the fact that you could have a massive brain tumor and about to be going in for a, <laughs> a, a, a potentially potentially fatal operation and could still go do you know what i think i need my administrator <laughs> i need to i need to get my best friend to administrate my um health log on facebook so you know i recently went back on there and i was reading it uh, the anniversary of uh, so I. So you've uh, been clear, or given the. So you've been given the all clear for. Last year, five years. Yeah. Five years. Five yeah. years. Um, and uh, a couple of weeks ago was my sixth year anniversary of the tumor of of my operation, and um, I, I I did go back on this Facebook group because they're still there. Yeah. You know, and I went in, I was reading it, and I got quite emotional, and it's quite interesting because obviously you know I had read it before, but you know it is like. I, a journal, a diary of Moment that. Of time, um, yeah. I mean, a friend of mine actually did propose to to, to video the, my the, you know, to basically record my whole journey. Yeah. And started with I said okay, but uh, you know that was but, but I couldn't do it. I just thought, and um, partly because of vanity, I suppose, because obviously um, uh, within days uh, when you go through something like that and you're in hospital and you can't do anything. When I say I can't do anything, I literally couldn't yeah, do anything. Your mum had to do so, everything. Well, at the hospital, at the hospital, the nurses had to yes, do absolutely and then everything. Then my mum, yeah. Um, you know, so, um, you know, you, you just... I remember the first time that I went in the shower uh, on a wheelchair and had the nurse basically... A woman that I never met before, taking off all my clothes and basically showering me, and I couldn't move my hands. I could, my, you know, I could understand everything that was going around. I remember I couldn't tell if it was tears or water running all over my face. It was just, uh, yeah, it was a humbling experience. And um, you know, sometimes we forget the most important things. And again, even now with the COVID situation. I think, okay, what you're doing, the podcast is fantastic. What I'm doing, voice shows, yeah, it's great, it's fun. However, these people, the nurses, the doctors, the NHS, yeah. not all jobs are the same. These yeah. people save lives. These people deal with situations that are unbelievable. The things they see, they have to remain calm. They have to support you. You know, the amount of strength that takes and how you look at them. They are your gods. I mean, I'm completely not religious. I'm an atheist. But, 
you know, I was looking at them, you know, with the, all my hope, you know, before the operation, I was looking at the doctor who was there, you know, and, and I, I, my life depending on him. Mm-hmm. I knew that depending, you know, what he will do with his hand is going to determine whether I live or die, you know. It's incredibly it's, sobering, isn't it? It yeah, is. It is. It's a huge thing, and I think it's... it's um, Th- those people I wonder how they feel because it's their it's their job isn't it and I know that they but yeah. you know I suppose they don't get time to get emotionally attached to each well you can't because it's impossible uh, and also you can't I mean you wouldn't be able to do your job properly no. I mean it's, it's it's a different I mean we are kind of the opposite we need to get attached to the characters we play and stuff like that in order to do our job properly um, but it's, it is the opposite I'm sure they do but in different ways I mean the coping mechanisms are, yeah. are very different but um, the thing that I think is incredible about your story of, of that particular time in your life is that I think like you said you could look at it that everything was about to go really well you got offered a James Bond yeah. movie obviously it wasn't well, James Bond before, yeah, yeah. but you didn't know that yeah. before but you know you had that you found out you had this tumor. it was a very good point in my life as I said I was doing yeah. the play I was really loving I was about to go on a fantastic holiday yeah. you know I felt you know really you strong felt really. okay yeah. yeah and then this out of the blue hits you and then you have a long road to recovery but then this is what I absolutely love you you know not long after that you met Rick, who is your husband, completely out of the blue too. Compl- I mean, yes. So obviously, the months after the operation, the only thing on my mind was for me to basically be able to recover and for the follow-ups to be clear because after the operation, there was a lot of blood in the area. So they knew they had taken most of the tumour out, but they couldn't be certain it was all. So I might have needed chemo or radiotherapy. But the only way to know that was to wait for a few months for the blood to clear so they can actually have a scan to tell me whether or not there's yeah. residuals. Um, so obviously, I was waiting for that and I was really nervous. And, they, you know, I was doing physio to try to start walking again. Um, uh, you know, I was very worried about my voice. Um, Which was very lost, different straight very afterwards. Different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very different. Um, I was um, obviously, you know, physically I didn't look good at all. I mean, no, my face okay. was bloody. No. I was uh, I was very thin. I was, you know. So uh, when you're like that, the last thing you think of is your personal life. Mm. Um, and shortly after, so seven months after the operation, I did meet um, my partner, um, and it was random. I mean, some friends took me to Madrid for a weekend after I got the first clear scan to celebrate. And obviously, it wasn't like a normal holiday in the sense that, yes, I was much better. Of course, I could walk around by myself. I was eating properly. But still my voice had almost, But yeah, I would get tired very, very yeah. quickly. I had to sit down a yeah. lot. So, you know, it was, it was you know, early stages. So we went to a bar and uh, my current partner approached me and started talking to me in Spanish. Um, and I say, you know, first of all, I, I just, you know, as I said, my, my head was elsewhere completely. I said, I don't speak Spanish. And he goes, okay, oh, yes, I speak English. And he starts speaking to me in English. Obviously, nothing happened that night, but uh, a lot of, uh, you know, his friends joined my friends and we started chatting and we spent a couple of hours laughing and stuff like that. And then it was time for us to go. We were flying early the next morning. Um, and he asked for my number. I, I did think, oh, God, why? I mean, this is ridiculous. What's the point of this? I've just met this guy for an hour and a half now, and now, you know, what is the point? I live in London. He lives in Madrid. Did I mention this was Madrid? I probably didn't. You did, you did. You said it's yeah. Madrid. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I came back, when I landed at Heathrow, I remember clearly that I already had um, a message from him saying, 
hi, it's me from last night. How are you? Did you arrive safely? How? What's the weather like? Because obviously I know. What's the weather like? You know. And I was like, oh god, god, please. Okay, I didn't even reply immediately. I mean, I replied after I got home. So, anyways, to start with, it was start text messages, and I remember telling some friends about this guy. He's a very good guy. He just wants to practice English, you know. Um, And at some point, he asked me to do a Skype um, uh, session. And I did log on and chatted to him, and that was it. We ended up talking for three hours. I, had, I told him my story. I told him exactly where I was at. And I thought he Which would... is tough, isn't it? Because you would think someone would run a mile from honest, that story. Well, is that ha- halfway you told him? Um, yeah, I mean, no, I mean, I told him because I expected him to do that. Um, but, I, I mean, my mum was telling me during... You know, I was telling her that I don't think that I would ever... I think I'll be alone now because no one will come near me if they know that I've been through this. Because it's a very scary It's scary a big thing, thing to take on. It is if you, you know... To potentially fall in love with someone that's already exactly. potentially that's very the thing, because Ill if is you're a big deal, exactly isn't it? exactly yeah. exactly but no he didn't run away and uh, Skype sessions became a daily thing and uh, a month later he came back then I went there uh, a year later he moved to London three years later we got married and now he's downstairs best wedding in the world guys <laughs> oh stop it um, it, it was good wasn't it um, it was amazing um, it was amazing and now yeah he's downstairs preparing dinner for us when we finish he podcast. is yes bless yeah. him not lobster not, <laughs> not lobster. lobster he's not allowed to do lobster but that's yeah. it that's such a uh, an amazing outcome to to quite a, a dark story that's that's why yes. I think it's important to share it because you know, somebody could have just had those things happen to them now, and you, I, I get that that's how you felt, and obviously I saw you all through the, through that anyway. But you do get to a point where you're like, well, what's the point in anything? You know, who, yeah. you know, I'm I'm going to be on my own. No one's going to yeah. want me now. I'm I'm a broken yeah. person. I'm a shadow of my former self. And still, actually, if if we're honest, um, you have said to me in the, in the not too distant past that you're still kind of disappointed that you feel Rick hasn't seen the best of you. Yes, um, as in stamina. Yes. I mean, because obviously, you know, I did... It, I mean, it's very hard to compare really now because obviously years go by and obviously the older we get as well, our stamina changes. Yeah. But, uh, you know, definitely my stamina has never been what it was. Even the way I exercise is different now. You know, I used to do a lot of you cardio. Now now it's it's weights, really. Yeah. with stuff that are, you know, steady, that I don't exhaust me, I don't run out of breath, stuff like that, yeah. you know. Um, so, yes, I, I did feel that. And I, you know, but, again, I can't pinpoint exactly what, how it would be now if this hadn't happened, like, no. physically. Um, but I, I suppose it's, it's what I have learned is that, you know, you can never tell what's going to happen with life. And it's got, you know, lots of twists and turns, you know, and some of them are bad turns. Some of them are amazing turns, you know. And I, what's interesting is quite often what you perceive to be the worst bad awful times where you feel there is no light and yeah. that, that you can't you can't imagine there ever will be light again yeah. that you you turn that corner exactly and rick's there yeah. or you turn that yeah corner. and shortly after i got the darrells um yeah. which was fantastic I and that was amazingly the... brave because manola got cast in the darrells not long after that had all happened and it had a fight scene in it and i can remember you being yes. really scared about yes, it exactly. i can remember you re- yeah. saying to me i've got the script 
it's got this fight scene and I really shouldn't be doing yeah. it. I'm really worried, but I don't want to, I don't want to lose the job. Cause yeah. that's the other thing as an actor that you have, <laughs> you, say yes you, know, to everything. you have to say yes to everything. And you know, even if your arms hanging off and you have to be a jouster or something, <laughs> you, it's that whole, uh, if you've seen, um, is it the life of Brian where they go to so, scratch, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, you know, you do try and carry on, but seriously, I mean, that's a really, that's not, that's not pretending you can horse ride when you can't horse ride or whatever. That is, a, that's a seriously yeah. um, scary, scary decision. Yeah, and and, and um, I had to disclose it. Um, I, I wasn't planning on disclosing it, but um, for insurance reasons, I had complete questionnaire because of, before I flew to Corfu for filming, that I had to actually put it in there. Who knew? I don't have a clue. No. Who, who actually knew uh, from production. Um, but I did do the fight scene and it was very safe and I did feel okay. So that was absolutely fine. So, yeah. yeah. And wasn't there a story I seem to remember at the time where when Keely Halls found out, she was very lovely yes. about it. Yes, but you know how she found out from the makeup artist. That's the thing. So, so right. <laughs> Never so, tell a makeup artist anything. Well, uh, it's very hard not to tell them because I because do have a, a, a big. No, because I've got a big scar on my neck that goes up to my, <gasps> of course. Up to my, to my head. Do you know what? You can't see it at all now. Well, because you're uh-huh. facing me forward. <laughs> <laughs> You're looking at my face. Listen, not at the he back did of my... turn his head. Then. You can't see it at all. So, Have you got some of the pictures of the the when it was it fresh? Yes, yes I do. I got to post them online. Po- po- yeah, post one. No, no, that's that's serious. I, I will show you. Is it like Frankenstein? It I is think really I awful. It's, yeah. it's really really awful, especially but, if they are quite bloody. But it doesn't make you look any less handsome uh, now. Um, the nose because it's on the back and you cannot. No, see they that can't. No, it is true. Now it's very hard to tell. I mean, unless you look specifically at my neck, but obviously when they're doing your hair and makeup, we all just do. Yeah, I so you know. So I was being disparaging time, about makeup artists. Yeah. It's not at all. It's not gossip. It's because there was a scar. So every time now I'm on the makeup chair, they go <gasps> like that. Oh, what they happened don't to you? Now. I don't you. exaggerate. I they don't go. What you? What There's happened? nothing there. Oh, I'm going to take a picture. I'm going to take a picture. Right, there is so, nothing there. Okay, no. there is, guys. Stop making um, a fuss. So they, they go. What happened to you? You know, because there's so a scar. It's, it's like a 10, 10 <laughs> centimeter scar on my head. So um, so the so. Back then, I actually told them. Um, so obviously, that was a, you know a really interesting story, and it was shared, and Keely found out, and she was very sweet about it. She talked to me about this, and uh, yeah, so that uh, that was the story. Uh, with greed, the makeup artist did ask me, and I said, "Oh, I, I fell when I was a child." Um, I mean, I, I did How tell. Did you fall on your neck. Well, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> You know, they didn't ask more questions. Okay. I did. I did tell Big some time. of the actors yeah. because obviously we became friends. And then you know, yeah. after spending so much time in Mykonos talking about personal stuff, yeah. you know, this came up. But you know, I learned my lesson. And again, when I've done like bay things, like corporate stuff or video clips or stuff like yeah. that, or short films, I, I, I don't disclose that information no. just because it starts a conversation that. But you don't I'm, want to have to keep regurgitating. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. And especially the people that I'm not going to see again, mm. like you listeners. <laughs> 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 They'll all be following you on Instagram now. My also my office. Yeah, you'll have at least one more. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be your mum. <laughs> probably. She probably because you need to call her. You. Because you need to I call, need to call her. her. Yeah, 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 that's I should call her. <laughs> so, uh, so I think that I, it's been an amazing chat. You know, it's, it's, it's all things I kind of, um, obviously we already know, but it's actually quite nice to just have a, a, yeah. a general conflab about Well, life thank you stuff. very much for having me here. And I think that's a fantastic idea. And I, I love the fact that you always come with new ideas and new stuff. Um, and I've got a good feeling about this. Yeah, well, I mean, I, the, the thing is, I my reason for doing it, as I said to you earlier, is that um, I think... Celebrity is, um, I mean, it's great and it is what it is, but I think that ordinary people 
uh, have really interesting and inspiring stories that if you don't share them, won't they'll just nobody will ever know the the fight that you've had in life. And people think things come to certain people really easily. And the point of these is to prove that actually the ordinary people that do amazing stuff, it was still hard. But it didn't stop them, yeah. and and that means that that everyone can do it. You know, if we can do what we do, everyone can do what they want to yeah. do. Um, and it's it's only you that's in your own way. It's very easy to go, oh, I can't do that because. Um, but there's as many reasons why you can do stuff as you can't, and it's just which which way you want yeah. to turn at that sure. at that. Um, that signpost basically and uh, actually there's a really lovely signpost i love you haven't been to folkestone yet have you no no um and uh, there's a really lovely signpost on the leaves which is beautiful in folkestone and, and the signpost is one going right one going left and it says this way that way and uh it's as simple as that yeah, and course. and that's life isn't it you which way do you go um so I think it's a really nice way to sort of round off this lovely interview with Manolis. And if you want to check out his uh, films, you can check out Greed on Netflix and is it Prime? Uh, uh, Greed is not on Netflix. Oh, Greed is on uh, Amazon Prime, uh, Prime. Apple TV, um, Chile, Rakuten TV, Google Play, everything but Netflix. Basically. Everything but the one yeah, I said, because yeah. I'm a pro. Uh, uh, so, the Durrells is on Netflix. Ah, uh, there you go, the Durrells. So if you want yeah. to go, if you've only got Netflix, check out the Durrells. Season uh, one. Season yeah. one, and yeah. you're in two episodes yeah, of that, yeah. aren't you? Yeah. Um, and uh, that was that was the risk that you took because there'll be a fight scene that you'll see in that that's yeah. um, quite a, a chancy <laughs> scene to do when you're just recovering from a brain tumour. That's but, true. Uh, yeah, so there you go. So thanks very much for joining me. Thanks and for um, me. if you want to check out some more real folk, do um, visit my website joeburke.com and you can find some exclusive photos footage bits of films bloopers there's lots of bloopers that you'll find on there um if you support the page you'll get all those exclusives and access to those things as well so do pop over there and if you want to just have a look on facebook at who i've had on who i'm having on uh just follow real folk on facebook so thanks very much for joining us and good night thanks for listening to real folk with me joe burke 